You know what a thing it is to be looking like mainly there or mainly there? And normally when I preach, I've got a little bit of a left correction. The guys on this side will notice that, you know. So I've got to keep on going that way. I apologize. It's not intentional. I don't even know I'm doing it. Um, anyway, just uh, I had a, I ask some good news for those that haven't heard. Mark Watson is doing extremely well. And... Um, he sent me a four-minute, 32-voice message yesterday, of which I was crying by the end of it. But so I said, I said, hey, listen, we're about to start the services. Tell, tell me what I should tell the people. And of course, his first thing is, our God reigns, exclamation mark. I'm down to the four-liter oxygen per hour off the, off the big one. And he said, the ball machine, you know, the thing you blow into to check your, how much pressure you can build up. He says, and the ball machine doesn't have a higher setting. No longer a challenge. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, I reckon I'll move from ICU within the next 48 hours to the general ward. Thanks to everyone again. Just blessed. Amazing, eh? Uh, I tell you what, guys, we've got to get our prayer meeting on Thursday night was probably one of the highlights of my year. I just finished preaching. Um, I'd kind of, things had run late a bit and I had to do my preach for this morning with Gary. And I came out halfway through the prayer meeting and there was just palm fronds everywhere. And I thought, sheep, is this some sort of cult happening here? You know, it's like you, if you didn't know, check there, the thunder and lightning, Lord, come on. <clears throat> anyway, there was just this prophetic thing of joy and celebration and and there was just palm leaves. And, uh, and I, t I tell you what, friends, eh, the power, the passion, the, 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 the love to pray, especially when somebody that you know and love is sick, is, is profound. But friends, that same passion and compassion for those that we don't know but yet love the same, like Jesus does, we do every Thursday. I want to encourage, I tell you, that I'm, in a, I'm preaching this morning around Revelation chapter 5. And um, it's just so profound when you actually see what we serve, who we serve. The profound nature of God and who He is. And um, I just want to encourage you, come on Thursdays. It's absolutely amazing. It was so powerful to see. And Nick and Jan did so well in leading it and really powerful, you know, prophetic time. Anyway, so, Revelation chapter 5, here we go. This is it, this is what's around the throne room, by the way. Revelation chapter 4, remember last, last week I said to you, Revelation chapter 4, thunder and lightning. Around the rolling thunder, around the, light, around the, the, the throne, but with a sea like crystal. The sea in the scriptures talks about a place of torment. A place of unrest. So the sea is, is seen as like a bad thing. But around the throne, the thing that is a bad thing is like crystal. Perfection. Back under control. Under his rulership. Around his throne. But in the heavens, there's lightning and thunder and awesome wonder. Jeepers, that flipping rhymed even. Eh? There's a song that goes like that. Anyway, just, uh, just incredible. And... Um, so, 
Just quickly, Revelation chapter 4, we're talking about holiness. And the reason I keep saying this every time I preach, I'm trying to get an understanding of what holiness means. Not the fact that God has made me holy, the fact that God wants me to live holy, that will come. I'm trying to get into my heart this the scene of a holy God. Because I think once you see that, you can't unsee it. And once you've seen that, you can't but live in a certain way. And my, and my prayer for me, I, I tell you what, friends, in the scene of the throne room, if you were here last week, was Revelation chapter 4, the throne and the angels and the, 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 the four living creatures are flying around and, and there's the 24 elders that are bowing down and taking their crowns off and, and, the, and there's the scene. And you'll see now there's this incredible interaction between heaven and earth at the throne room level. And that's why we've got to be a praying and worshiping people. But I went for a run yesterday, and this has been kind of in my mind, and I'm meditating on this text as I'm trying to kind of just find God more in it. And, and, and at my mind kind of, as Taryn was saying today, kind of flashed to the scene, this throne room scene. And, and then a Thursday prayer meeting where, and the sense of awe and wonder and the sense of, and it's almost like I had this picture. I mean, I, I'm running down up Essenwood Road and I'm just weeping because, and thanking God for Mark, like, because he could have not made it. And, and, just, and he had just sent me this message. And I'm, I'm running and I'm just thanking God, saying, thank you, God. You're just so good. And as I'm doing this, I have this picture in my mind of the 24 elders and the living creatures turning their heads to us as a people, to me as I'm thanking him and declaring his praise as I'm running and kind of... And it's just that picture is... I'm asking God to imprint it on my heart. Not, not, not intellectually, in my heart, in the spirit of my heart, in the heart of my spirit, whatever it is. And um, I think when we get this, God is going to do something profound in our lives. So let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, Revelation chapter 4 and 5 should always be read together. They, they, are, they are a kind of compendium. And Revelation chapter 4 is about the throne. It's a big emphasis about the throne, which is God's hand over everything. The, the sovereignty and the awesome power of God over all things. And uh, Revelation chapter 5 is a throne, but you will see in the midst of the throne stands a lamb that was slain. And you'll see this. Notice there's a slain. It's, it looks like it's slain, but it's standing. The Greek actually says that it was slain. But the translators can't say the lame was slain if it's standing. So they kind of say, well, as though it was slain. But it was slain. So it's a slain lamb that was standing. And um, on the midst of the throne. So, and what happens is that it moves from the throne to the lamb. And so there's this worship not just of the throne, but of the lamb that stands in the midst of the throne. And so it moves from God the Father, who is this king over all, to Jesus the Son, Who's to be worshipped by all. And you'll see how it unfolds now. So it's a beautiful picture. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming a loud... Sorry, let me just put this on here. Otherwise I'm in the bush. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open 
the scrolls. A mighty angel, a strong angel, stands up and shouts out in a loud voice to all of creation. Picture the scene. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even, unlo- or even look inside it. I wept. Now this is John talking now. I wept. I wept and wept. He didn't just weep. He was weeping. This was ugly crying. If we had to say it like that. Sorry. Apologies. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, or the seven-fold spirit of God, sent into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you, are, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. You purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, millions of angels, myriads, some translations say of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the 24 elders in a loud voice. They sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That word worship is the word, Greek word proskuneo, which means to, they lay prostrate down. It's, ba- it's kind of this whole scene is summed up by these four living creatures saying, Amen, let it be. And the elders just prostrate before God in agreement and in worship and adoration of this king. Isn't it incredible, friends? Worship by the beings that are closest to the throne never sing about themselves. They always sing about Him. It's incredible. It's like the the awesome wonder of the scene is about the, the wonder of this king, this ruling king. 
It's incredible how worship has become about entertainment in the church. And pleasing people. Worship around the throne is about Him. It's amazing. Prostrate. Amen. It's incredible. So, let's get into this text. Daniel chapter 7 refers. I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. Daniel chapter 7 and, Re and Revelation chapter 5 are like overlays of each other. So for those that want to dig deeper, go and read Jan Jan the book of Daniel, but specifically Daniel chapter 7. So John in his, his encounter of the scene. So imagine now he's getting taken up into this moment and he's trying to make sense of it. His senses are alive. His, his every sense is awakened. And he is trying to make sense of what is going on here. And for him who knows the text and who knows the Torah and who knows the Old Testament and has all this theology in him, he then goes back to Daniel and he makes sense of it because that's what Daniel said. So you can see why they overlay. It's a very human book, the Bible. But it's a very God-breathed book at the same time. And so we have this scene as he starts to rec recount it. And he has this, there's this... Um, this, the, the one who is sitting on the throne, his throne has a scroll in his hand. And um, that scroll by many commentators are kind of, what is the scroll? And there's all these like 10 different versions of what is the scroll. It could be the Old Testament scriptures of which then Jesus is the fulfillment of. Uh, some other people say it's the book of life. Uh, other people say it's this Roman legal document. And, but most often, I, I think just to really simplify this thing, this is the eschatological which is a big word for the end times it's this plan of God take eschatological out it's the plan of God and there is there's this kind of cry to say how who is worthy to initiate and carry out the plan of God well, who's worthy there's nobody on heaven and on earth and on the below the sea and on the sea and there's nobody worthy that can be found to take hold of this plan and see it fulfilled. And John is weeping at the fact that God's plan is not going to come into fruition. And then what happens is, there's this shocking reversal of imagery. And uh, as, as, as John is saying this, he, the, it's, it's, one of the angels comes to him, one of the elders comes to him and says, don't weep. The Lion of Judah has triumphed. He hears this. Notice the imagery. He hears somebody say, the Lion of Judah has triumphed. And he starts to get encouraged. And so he looks to the throne. And now he doesn't hear anymore. He sees a lamb that was slain standing in the midst of the throne. It's incredible how in those days the, the, the idea of the Messiah was of a Davidic king. It was not, it was not like they were dwarf and, and, and the image of, of the Messiah was in the, in, the, in the space of David the king, the triumphant king, the Messiah king that was what would militarily come and vanquish. And so they were expecting a lion figure. They were expecting the roar of a lion to stand up with the authority, the king of the wild beasts would stand up and begin to roar and bring victory. And instead what he does is he sees a lamb, probably the least of the domesticated animals, slain. 
And what, they, what he starts to realize is that the plan of God is not going to come with a lion's roar, but with a lamb's meekness and gentleness and self-sacrificial love. That is Jesus. And so it's, and you see, it, what it does, friends, it begins to redefine power. When we have an encounter with the holiness of God, it redefines power. What does power look like? Those with the biggest army, those with the biggest roar, those with the biggest teeth, or does real power look like a lamb that was slain? And he says there that this lamb had seven, horn, uh, seven eyes and seven horns. Horns, uh, eyes represent wisdom and knowledge. Perfect wisdom and knowledge, this lamb. And then seven horns, perfect power is invested in this lamb. And this is the lamb that is worthy to unfold the plan of God. To initiate and to consummate and to fulfill all that God was going to do in all of his judgment and all of his redemption, lamb power. Are we building on lion power or are we building on lamb power? Where's our lives? Because you know, friends, when we face challenges, often our first response is, let's roar and bite these people. God's response is, kill the lamb. Are we living as slain lives? Slain lamb lives. You see, what happens, friends, is meekness becomes strength. The Bible uses this word meekness. It says the meek will inherit the earth. You see, what inherits the earth is not the roar of a lion, but the death of a lamb. What enroar, what, what the church that inherits the earth is a church that understands the lamb, that understands the way we rule, friends, it's through gentleness, it's through meekness, but somehow together with the authority with seven horns, perfect power and perfect wisdom and perfect knowledge and, this, and somehow the lion and the lamb come together. But what he sees is a lamb. It's absolutely incredible. Lamb power. You see, friends, meek people don't have to prove anything to anybody. You see, when you're a lamb standing in front of a lion, you don't have to run. When you're a slain lamb standing before the lion, you don't have to run. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. That's what meekness means. You don't have to have any pretense. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You don't have to be something you're not. You're just who you are. Your strength comes from the, the lamb that was slain. The power of the love of Jesus. This is what uh, A.W. Tozer says about meek, meek people. He, said that he says this, The meek person is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of your own inferiority. Rather, we may be in our moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but we have stopped being fooled about ourselves. We have accepted God's estimate of our life. We know, where we, we know we are as weak and as helpless as God has declared us to be. But paradoxically, we know at the same time 
We're in the sight of God more important than angels. This is what meekness is. It's not weakness. It's actually strength. And he begins to shift the idea of what power looks like around this throne. And when the lamb takes the throne, takes hold of the, 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 the scroll, everybody just begins to worship the lamb that was slain. And it says, each of the elders had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The idea that we have angels, that, we, that when we die, we're going to be angels around with harps, that's the text. That's where it comes from, harps. But actually what's happening is that there's worship and there's musical worship around the throne. Quite powerful. And they're holding these golden bowls of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And so somehow our prayer gathers in heaven before the Father and there's this interaction that happens in, uh, in heaven because of what we do on earth and our worship and our prayer. You see the lamb, lamb power comes by serving. Lamb power comes by worshiping. Lamb power comes by praying. Lamb power comes by a completely different way. When we live our lives out, we, we don't ever detach from reality. You live in the real life, in the real world with real challenges, challenges, but you know your strength comes from the Lamb. It's such a challenge to all of us. And they begin to sing a new song. I begin to sing a new song. And obviously it's a new song because it's the lamb. It's the lamb. There's a new. This is strange. This is new. I want to say to us, friends, when I read this text, I feel like God wants to open the scrolls of your life. But the only way to do that, the only person that's worthy to do that is the lamb. If you will let the lamb in, if you'll let give the lamb authority, if you'll let the lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, perfect wisdom and knowledge and perfect power into your life, he will unlock the plan of God for your life. Not your plan for your life, God's plan for your life. And there's a new song to be sung. Like I feel like God wants, to, wants the church to begin to sing a new song. It's a new song, but it's actually a very ancient song. It's about the lamb. It's about Jesus. And look at what they say. He says, you're worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. It's like you've, this, this lamb that was the lamb of Israel. When you think of the lamb, you think of, you think of Exodus. You think of the, the lamb that saved Israel from death and captivity and slavery and brought them into freedom. Now that same lamb is for all of creation. There's a new song. It's not just about me. It's about all the world. And so this should take us into, into praying for all the nations. This should take us into understanding actually this lamb, the power of the lamb is for me and the new song and my scroll that is written around my life but more than that it's for the whole world and as the church we meant to represent that lamb and carry the power of that lamb look at what he says there 
He says, not only have you purchased them, have you thought that you were purchased? Again, reading that, you think, hey God, you bought me. Your blood bought me. The lamb bought me. I'm bought. When you say, to, say in South Africa now, hey, that's, that, that person's been bought. Not a good thing. But in heaven, when you're bought by the lamb, you're his. And he's yours. It's a profound partnership in God. And I say partnership intentionally because look at what he says. He says you, and he made them to be a kingdom and priests. To serve the Lord, to serve God, and to reign on the earth. And that word reign could be present tense and future tense. They're not sure, but more than likely it's present tense. But it's either both or it's just present tense, the commentators say. This reigning is for now, friends. So the power of the Lamb is exercised through my life, in my life, to set me free so that I can be a kingdom, I can bring God's government, and I can bring God's reign and rule onto earth to reign now. But the kind of power we have, friends, is not political power, it's not military power, it's not economic power, it's lamb power. Serving and praying and worshipping. Look how it goes off and ends off in verse 13. He says this. I mean, look at those adjectives. Just looking at it now, I've got them ringed in my Bible. Receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise it's like there's more adjectives for the lamb than what they were for the throne in Revelation chapter 4 it's just this incredible worship of the lamb who was able to fulfill and activate and initiate and get hold of God's plan but look at verse 13 what it says and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever every creature every creature bar none there's coming a day when the killer whale will turn its head and give glory to the lamb there's coming a day when the most ferocious lion will become like a kitty cat before the lamb. There's coming a day that those that have cursed God, that have not believed in God, there's coming a day when they will realize who the King of Glory is. Every creature will sing that song. I want to urge you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus and made the, the, the center of your throne the Lamb, the center of your life the Lamb, do it now. You need to do it now. It's like a serious urgency. You need to give your life to the Lamb. 
because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna worship him at some stage, but to worship him now is to receive the judgment that people are going to get then now in the blood of Jesus and be rewarded then for your worship. Friends, you've gotta, we've got we've to make Jesus the center. We've got to worship and adore him. We've got we've to find, thro- find this throne. And so often that we can't see this throne because the throne of our own lives is bigger and larger and in front of. And so we worship ourselves and our needs instead of the throne that is above. Similar to Paul's declaration of Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There's a moment, there will be a moment when every living creature, every living creature, every living thing will bow its knee before him. And look how it ends in verse 14. The living creature said, Amen. Let it be. And they worshipped him. As I finish, I want you to note this thing. This came out of my Friday morning group with some men. Isn't it incredible how unity, around the throne there's perfect unity. Nobody is looking after themselves. Nobody's trying to be louder than the other. There's always perfect unity around the throne. And so often the church on earth tries to be build unity around something that is not the throne. The church will never be in unity until we see the same throne. You see, we're unified in Christ because we're in the Lamb. But when you're in the Lamb, you've got to see the throne. And uh, Brandon used this illustration. He said, it's like a tuning fork. So you can have all these pianos around you. But they all get tuned to the same tuning fork, to the same sound. You can have a grand piano. You can have a honky-tonk piano. I've got no idea what pianos are called. You can have little pianos, big pianos, electric pianos, or acoustic pianos. But they're all tuned to the same fork. That's unity. And us as a congregation, that's unity. And can I just say this as well, friends? It doesn't matter how expensive a piano you are, you go out of tune. You all need tuning. That's why we gather, friends. It's arrogance to think that you don't need tuning. We all go out of tune. I actually prefer the tuning example to the idea of we all leak. Because kind of that's a bit the Holy Spirit. You know, you leak the Holy Spirit, so we need filling. I prefer this. We all need tuning. As, 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 a, as people, we need tuning. We need, we need realignment. We need back to Him, back to the throne. Through, through, through the week and in our moments, through the week, we kind of get the throne becomes blurred and my throne becomes bigger than His throne and, and my throne becomes bigger than God's throne. And, and what happens when we come together again, we realize, oh, that's the throne. That's the King. That's the Lamb. Let's get back into line. Let's get back into tune. It's so profound. I 
I'm praying that this scene gets imprinted on our hearts. I'm praying that this, this, this heavenly, holy throne room, temple worshiping scene in heaven gets into our hearts. Isn't it amazing? It's, it's the, 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 there's the bowls of incense and you've got, you've got the four living creatures saying amen to the, to the worship. And there's this complete interaction between heaven and earth. And you see, if we want earth to change, we've got to make sure that our heavenly picture of the king is right and then align ourselves with that. And it seems so obvious. It seems so simple. It's just not that easy. Because we want to put ourselves on the throne instead of keeping the lamb on the throne. Amen. 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 Being with us, Lord. You're so teaching us in these days, Lord God. So you, you're wanting to grab us. You're wanting to give us a new song, Lord God. The song of the Lamb. The one that was slain, that purchased all people for himself. From every nation and tribe and tongue. From every people group in the planet. And you made them, you made us to be a kingdom and priests. Other texts say, and a holy nation, as Greg said earlier. To serve God. The Lamb rules by serving, Lord. Help us to serve. Help us to serve each other. Help us to serve you. Help us to serve our wives. Help us to serve our husbands. Help us to serve our children. Help us to serve our brothers. Help us to serve our sisters. Help us to serve our bosses. Help us to serve our employees. Help us to serve our city. Help us to serve the nations, Lord, with land power. Imprint your power and your love on our hearts, Lord God. That our worship is not from an external from a deep, deep revelation of your holiness, Lord God, and your wonder, and your lightning and thunder. Just thank you, Jesus. I ask you for that now, Lord. Won't you come even on us right here, Lord? Just open our eyes, Lord. Open our hearts. Open our hands, Lord. Thank you that there's a scroll for every single one of us, Lord. And that Jesus is the key to unlock it. Not only is the key to unlock all of your history and all of the future, but actually is the key to unlock all of our lives individually as well, Lord. Now thank you for that now in your incredible, incredible name. Holy Spirit, will you come and do your work in our lives, Lord?